Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, she is Tam, and we definitely have our boy, Front Row Kenny, on the show as we always do. How are you guys doing? What it do, Renee and Kenny? How are you? Doing fantastic. Yo, what's going on? As the old folks would say, everything's copacetic. What's up with you, Renee? Doing fantastic, actually. Uh, had a wonderful weekend, as I, I guess I always do. Had a couple of shows uh, going on uh, this past weekend, and I uh, want to thank everybody for coming out to the shows. I got to uh, have the wonderful ability to bring up the one and only Mr. Ken Jong on stage, uh, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with Ken Jong, he is um, the guy who played Mr. Chow on the Hangover movies. And what an amazing person this guy is, man. I mean, he's just one unbelievably down-to-earth guy that I've ever met in my life that is on a celebrity status like that. And really is just like the nicest guy you could ever possibly meet. But it was it was uh, really nice to uh, chop it up with him, bring him on stage. He's a very funny comic. He's been doing stand-up for a long time. I don't, I'm not even sure if a lot of people know that. But before he started doing the movies, before he got really big, he was doing stand-up for almost 10 years before that. But what, what a, just a nice guy. and What a great couple of shows I had. And I want to thank everybody for coming out. Other than that, um, really not much else going on. How about you guys? Well, it's funny you mentioned that he was doing stand-up for 10 years because sometimes people fail to realize there is no such thing as an overnight success. <laughs> right. Technically, I guess there is, but most people rarely experience that because he's a doctor in real life. And like you said, he was hitting the comedy stages for 10 years before somebody was like, hey, that guy is funny. Yeah. And then he got his big break. I know you've hung out with him before, right? Yes, actually, I have. and uh, Okay, because I remember the Instagram photos. Yeah, and it's always nice when they remember you, too. They're like, oh, hey. They're like, how you doing, man? Good to see you again. And, you know, it's really nice when they when they do recognize you like that. But he's uh, every time I've met him, he, he's actually been really, really nice. And uh, he hung out for a little bit of the night. When they're on a celebrity status like that, you know, sometimes they have to sneak out the back because they'll, they'll never get out of there. And sure enough, after the show, everybody was looking for that guy trying to take pictures. It would have been a madhouse, but sometimes I understand why they have to take off. Well, where are your pictures? Are they on the Instagram? What's up? You know what? I did take pictures. I've been lazy just to post them. And actually, I was going to post them later on today when I got a chance because um, I'm actually uh, not – after we record the podcast, I'm actually really not doing anything. So I was going to post a couple of pictures. So I'll have them up uh, by the end of the day. Okay. Well, send them directly to me so I can share directly with the fans that have not got with the program and followed you on Instagram and Twitter at it's Renee Garcia. And for those that want to follow myself as well as Kenny, I am at I am sincerely Tam and Kenny is on the Twitter at Front Row Kenny. Kenny, tell us about your weekend. I'll tell you guys about what I didn't do this weekend and we will jump into some Bristol talk because there's so much going on. There, I mean, actually, there's a lot going on between NASCAR. The first lap of the IndyCar race at Pocono was wild. They were like under red at the very beginning of the race, which is crazy. But nonetheless, okay, Kenny, jump in. You see, I'm already hyped. I'm going to bring it back down. But Kenny, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Yeah, so my weekend was pretty good. Of course, I watched the Bristol race, and I actually got a chance to watch the Saturday night race, I mean, the Friday night race with my dad, the Xfinity race, which was pretty good, pretty entertaining. I helped my brother move into college this weekend, so that's cool to him. Shout out to my brother, Kel, at Winston-Salem State University. That was pretty cool, and then today, actually, just before we get started on this recording, I drove my way back home today, so I'm back in Maryland, spending a couple days off, and then... After that, go right back to work. And I think that pretty much sums up my weekend. I've been in a house for a couple of days. I don't plan on coming out for one or two more days. <laughs> However, on Friday, I had a pretty eventful day. I went downtown Los Angeles. And downtown Los Angeles is like no other part of L.A. Renee can testify to this. A lot of people in L.A. are with the program and they hang out in downtown L.A. And a lot of people are just like, ooh, downtown L.A. The Hollywood crowd dares not go downtown L.A. because they're just snooty and they're like, uh. But if you know anything about DTLA, as we refer to it here in Los Angeles, there is so much to do and there is a lot going on and a lot being built. I went downtown to take care of moving a chair out of storage. And from there, it went from us stopping. Renee, have you ever had Gorilla Tacos? This place is called Gorilla Tacos. No, I have not, but I have heard of that. Yeah. Well, I had a sweet potato taco. And yes, I mean sweet potato as in sweet potatoes on a taco shell. But it wasn't what you think. It was one of the best damn things I ever tasted. <laughs> I had a sweet potato taco. Oh, yeah. They had sweet potato tacos. They had pork belly tacos. They had grilled steak tacos. They had all kind of tacos. In addition to having my sweet potato taco, I also had a codfish taco, which was freaking incredible. So from there, me and my friend, we decided to walk because we saw this place called Tony's. Looks like some little pizzeria. It looked nice, but it looked like a, a bar, like a motorcycle bar. We walked down there and then we started to see all this other stuff hit one corner and realized, dang, Warner Music Group, as in Warner Brothers, moved their headquarters downtown. And it's in a part of downtown where you would never know. But back over in there is all the record labels now and all these wonderful restaurants. So we just kind of explored and took pictures. So that was great. But I'm going to tell you, I was freaking tired when I finished with that. So after that, I've been locked in the house ever since because the plan was I was going to clean up a pile that's been sitting in the middle of my floor forever, as well as do my hair, you know, girl stuff, and build this website. Of course, put the t-shirts and hats online, the All Turns No Breaks t-shirts and hats that we've been promising forever. Yeah, and I'm scratching my head because I'm trying to figure out why I haven't gotten to any of that. I think Twitter has my heart and my fingers and my mind. Because you people on Twitter, and I'm talking about you NASCAR fans, because now we're bringing it back to some NASCAR. You guys have kept me entertained since the race at Bristol. Without further ado, before we talk about anything, I'm going to give you guys the top 10 at Bristol. And then we're going to jump into some Bristol talk because it was Bristol, baby. Denny Hamlin won that race. We already know. You already know because it did not come without any controversy. And the controversy came from the second place or runner-up, Matt DiBettadetto. And not that it was controversial that he came in second, but Denny felt bad 
We even have one fan say that Denny should have let Matt win. And we're going to jump into that because that started a SHIT show on <laughs> on the Twitter. Yeah, Because did. people are like, no, that's cheating. Finishing the top 10. Brad Keselowski, who actually led a couple of laps, quietly came in third place. Kyle Busch came in fourth. And I think I picked a Bush in a Bush to win. Yeah. But they both came in top 10s, but neither one of them won the race. Chase Elliott came in fifth. Kyle Larson came in sixth. Clint Boyer trying to keep those playoff hopes alive, but he's still not in the playoffs if they started today. He came in seventh. Daniel Suarez, same there, trying to keep those playoff hopes alive, came in eighth. Kurt Busch came in ninth, and Ryan Blaney came in tenth. Jimmy Johnson, because I feel like we're on Jimmy Johnson watch. Jimmy still can't get right, and he did manage to top 20 but he came in 19th place. Moving right along into our playoff picture, and I am going to read the playoff standings this week by position. If the playoffs started today, your boy Kyle Busch, he's in the top spot. He has four wins heading into the playoffs so far. Joey Logano in second, Denny Hamlin third, Martin Truex Jr. fourth, Kevin Harvick fifth, Brad Keselowski sixth, Chase Elliott seventh, Kurt Busch, eighth. Ryan Newman, or is that Ryan Blaney? Ha ha, that's Ryan Blaney. I got it right this time. Ryan Blaney is the only person that is in the top 10 in the playoff position that does not have a win. Alex Bowman is in the 10th spot. He did manage his first cup win. Yay for Alex Bowman. Larson, as in Kyle Larson, is in the 11th spot. William Byron's in the 12th spot. Eric Amarola's in the 13th. The other Eric, as in Eric Jones, is in the 14th spot. Ryan Newman's in the 15th spot. And Daniel Suarez is in the 16th spot. The two contenders, as in contending to get in the playoffs, are Clint Boyer and Jimmy Johnson. So Clint's in 17th and Jimmy's in 18th. Those two are on the outside looking in. Their best bet is to take down Ryan Newman or take down Daniel Suarez to get in the playoffs. But if the playoffs started today, I'm going to repeat this. Your boy Jimmy will miss the cut and Clint Boyer will also miss the cut. Those are your top 10 from Bristol and that is your current playoff position picture. Let's jump into some Bristol conversation. Kenny, Renee, what say you? Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Kenny. First off, I'll say Bristol was everything you could have ever asked for. The night race is always a fun one. Short track racing, obviously, is my favorite thing by far on the schedule. And the Bristol night race is always top on that list, without a doubt. And it's just like the perfect end to the summer. Close out the summer, basically, with this race. and. I thought we got a quite a crazy one. I mean, Magda Benedetto led so many laps that at that point, I'm thinking maybe this guy will actually take it home. It just seemed like he was driving like he was on another mission. I mean, given the fact that he got the news this weekend that he wasn't going to be in the, in the car anymore, unfortunately. So he's going to be looking for a ride next year. He goes out, almost wins the thing. And now after having a second place finish, I think he can definitely hang his head a little bit higher than what he did coming into Bristol that week, because I'm sure that's tough. I know that can't be easy. I don't want to go ahead and say that Ryan Newman necessarily single-handedly ruined his 
chance at winning, but it made a difference. I will say that. It definitely made a difference. But I do think Denny Hamlin all weekend just had the better car. He was really good in traffic. He was really good in clean air. And just by the way he caught him at the end of that race, it just proved everything right then and there. But the Bristol night race delivered without a doubt. I'm going to second that motion, Kenny. I like the night racing as well, too, uh, especially there at Bristol. It's amazing how I was I was looking at how that whole thing unfolded. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, holy smokes, this guy's going to win this. And, <laughs> and I was actually kind of laughing a, a little bit because I was like, I, I can't believe this. And then Denny Hamlin just comes over and just kind of takes the flag. But it definitely showed that he had the better car a weekend. Let me say this, Renee, not to cut you off. Was it the better car or just the more experienced driver? Because if you listen to Denny speak on it at the end when he was talking to NBC, mm-hmm. his strategy was, I won't say magnificent, but it was to hear him talk about how he was setting Matt up, but Matt set himself up. Yeah, you know what? That's, that's a good point. So was it car or was it strategy towards the end? I'm going to go probably with strategy there on that one. Uh, That's actually a really good point, Tam. It just goes to show overall what kind of year Denny Hamlin's been having since since the start of the season. I mean, he's he's overall just having one heck of a season. I mean, if you look back at the at the last several years of of Denny Hamlin's career, this year is nothing compared to that. He has done very well this this year. I'll say that. You know, Kenny, maybe you can chime in on this because I know you keep up with this kind of stuff. But did you see all the tweets that were going on from Bob Levine where it was at one point, my boy Lewis, and if you guys don't know Lewis Frank over at Reuters, he chimed in on it. Wait, was it Lewis? Don't quote me on that. Somebody chimed in and was like, why are you responding? Or it couldn't be me or something to that effect. So don't quote me because I'm not 100% sure. I feel like it was Lewis. Lewis said a lot of insightful things on Twitter the last 24 hours, whether it be regarding the IndyCar race or NASCAR. So I may be misquoting him on that. So I'm not going to put that on Lewis, but do check out Lewis Frank on Twitter if you have a chance. Okay, but Bob jumped in. He, he was active on Twitter for hours responding to people's thoughts. And I was just thinking to myself, like, dude, like, what level of the game? I'm going to be on Twitter defending my decision. I'm the boss. Bosses don't do that. I don't know. Yeah, so he's really vocal already as it is on Twitter. Like, he talks to fans, like, constantly as it is. And I'm sure, just like what we've seen so far all weekend, it's everyone questioning what his decision is. I don't think for one moment that he doesn't like Matthew Benedetto or he just wants to get rid of him just because he has a chance at Chris Rebell hopping in that seat next season, which in essence, if we're talking good business, if you've got a chance to get what many are calling and what many think is a once in a generation talent, you take your shot. You do what you have to do to get somebody like that. And then on top of that, they already have Joe Gibbs backing them right now. That gives them the upper hand, and that's giving them a big-time advantage. So he doesn't really have to explain this to anybody. I wouldn't be explaining this to people because I'm like, look, he's not being a rude businessman. It's just the nature of the business. We have gotten to the point where at Cup, we have so many good drivers down in Xfinity, they basically almost virtually have nowhere to go. So you have to have these satellite teams, an example like Levine Family Racing, 
where you have to fill somebody in if you can get a chance to get them. So you get Christopher Bell, of course you're going to get him. And it sucks because Matt actually statistically has done the best out of anybody in the nine years that they have been in cup for that team. He's got three top fives, five top tens. That is the most they've ever had, literally. The last time they got more than one top 10 in a season was in 2016 with Michael McDowell. That was the last time that even happened. So it's not that he's not performing. It's not that he can't bring it in. Christopher Bell also has dollars coming in as well. You got to think about that. He has his, his money coming in. And that's just where we're at currently. If you have the money and you got enough talent, you can move people in and out the way. So I don't think it's just him being rude or being mean because he gave him a chance and he didn't have to at the beginning of the season. I personally feel like you make business decisions. I don't feel as if you need to debate those decisions on Twitter with NASCAR fans who don't necessarily know the business. They think they (laughs) know, but they don't necessarily know the ins and outs. So that's pretty much my take. I do want to jump back a little bit to Matt. How about Matt the Benedetto's driver intro? Was that not epic or what? (laughs) It was the best one. (laughs) I mean, he came out in full on gear. It reminds me of the time I was invited to the Triple G fight. And I went to the Triple G fight. At the time, he was sponsored by... Oh, I think I remember you telling me this story, Tam. This is a good one. Yeah, I have the photos, but yeah, I, I put on the the boxing gloves and the what what do you call it? The little thing, the jacket. I don't know what is it called. Like a like a robe or some sort. Some yeah, robe. robe. Yeah. How could I not f- remember the word robe? <laughs> but yeah, I had on the robe and the boxing gloves, and I got in this little thing. It was like this virtual reality thing, and I was pretending like I was boxing, and I had the ring girls on the side of me. And I was thinking to myself, where the ring boys at? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want no ring girls. We're the ring boys. But in any event, I have the photo. It's actually pretty cool. And that was with Shivas. So shout out to Shivas. I love me some whiskey and bourbon. And I was trying to explain to somebody, like, I don't indulge in alcohol, but I don't discriminate. So if I'm drinking, whatever you're serving is fine with me. I used to only drink white liquor. But now I enjoyed me some good old Jack Daniels, Gentleman Jack. I love me some Jack Daniels, but I also like bourbon and I also like whiskey and I do not shy away from Tito's (laughs) and I do enjoy some good tequila. (laughs) So I don't discriminate, but I don't indulge because I may have a drink once every two or three months. It is weird. But in any event, that was hashtag Tam's rent. And I said this was the week I was going to find a hashtag for Kenny. (laughs) I found it. Oh, what was it? Hashtag front row Kenny. (laughs) I kept it simple. So hashtag front row Kenny. Yeah, boom. Simple. There you go. (laughs) Hashtag where is Renee? Hashtag Tam's rent. And soon to be hashtag Tam's notes. So for those who follow me on my personal Twitter, you know, always hit you with the inspirational stuff. That's why today, Twitter wore me out. We had some really bad comments on Twitter today to the point where yeah. I wanted to go through the Twitter account and slap their mama for letting them talk like that. But that's a whole nother story. Okay, so driver's intro. There were a few driver's intros that made me shake my head as in what the F. And then there were a few where I were like, 
where I was like, okay, Larson was one of those, what? Who picked that song for him? <laughs> Kyle Bush came out with the red cup, speaking of alcohol, but we know it wasn't no alcohol in that cup, but I thought the optics were bad because we know that red cups usually signify there's something else going on. Is it signify? Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the word. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was a little baffled by that. And then some of the song selections, I was like, what is this? And then PJ McLeod. Oh, and we'll talk about Rick War racing, I guess. Kenny, you can jump in and talk about that. But I didn't know BJ McLeod came out Elvis-like. All he needed to do was flip up his collar and put some rhinestones on his um <laughs> on his on his fire suit. Yep. I was like, what? I don't know. He just reminded me of Elvis. Everybody else was forgettable. Matt DiBenedetto won the driver's intro. If he would have won, I would have been playing the Rocky theme forever because I thought that his was genius. Yeah. So I don't know, Renee, did you, I, what I was shocked, nobody came out to any music that Renee and I like. Where was the EDM music? Yeah, I was I was waiting kind of for that. I was like, I wonder if anybody's going to really have that. But it, I actually, I was actually surprised that, that nobody did come out to something like that because I figured, well, maybe it was, it'd be one of the younger drivers that would do it. But I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the red cup real quick, Tam, because uh, when I saw the red cup, you know what that reminded me of was a few years ago when uh, when Smoke retired. Ah. <laughs> when we went to Vegas to, to for the ending of the season uh, and he and he was the only one <laughs> that came out on stage with a red cup. And me and you just looked at each other and said, we know what's in that red cup. <laughs> we knew what was in that red cup because, and for those who don't know, we did a whole podcast on it, but we're talking about when Tony Stewart in his final season, he made it to what was then called the chase. And as you guys know, all the playoff drivers would come to Vegas and, you know, for the end of the season awards, which this year are going to be in Nashville. And I haven't heard much about it, but it's been confirmed they're going to be in Nashville. But Tony Stewart came out with the red cup and we were like, what's up in that cup, Tony? Yep. And I actually remember Jimmy Johnson came out on stage with the tequila. Tequila with bottle. The yeah, that's right. Bottle. And we were like, what? <laughs> and then that's when our uncle cousin Carl Edwards was still racing and they passed the bottle to Carl and he was like no thank you and I was like what did y'all expect yeah you know he was gonna say no thank you and also remember they passed it to Chase that year and Chase I think he had just turned 21 but he passed on it as well but it was like I think (laughs) I have to like refresh my memory I have the photos of this some drivers took it to the head and was like yeah and then others were like no yeah but that was actually a pretty cool time (laughs) <laughs> okay, we touched on Rick. Yeah, so this weekend, Rick Ware Racing was supposed to have a, I think, metal. Yeah, speaking of look, uh, metal band. Music, <laughs> go ahead. Right, exactly. <laughs> right on time. So he had a metal band. That and was alcohol. No, and but- <laughs> it was like, right. <laughs> and so he had that on his car this weekend, right? That was the original plan. And then come time, we get a little bit closer to the actual race weekend. They took that same paint scheme off the car and replaced it with Pods, which is a storage company. And the reason why they did that was because it did not line up with their, I guess, beliefs of that company. And so they ripped it off the car. 
Now, the only thing I'm confused at about this one is, is how in the world did you go all the way through the contract process, get the render for the car, get it out there, you saw what it would look like, and then all of a sudden, oh no, we can't do this. NASCAR didn't pull it. They did. So I'm not 100% sure how that works and why that even happened, but a lot of people were scratching their head and wondering exactly how in the world is that itself just I'm going to tell you what happened. I don't... The check didn't clear. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that check check didn't clear. (laughs) Maybe that's what happened. They got a sponsorship on the car, though. (laughs) Yeah, so that was a very odd thing. It it just literally was a weekend of odd things at Bristol. Were you able to confirm how many cars they had in the race this past weekend? They had... They had three cars, and technically you could say four because it's a petty wear racing car, so that car comes out of petty shop. So they have four of them. They have three Chevrolets and one. That's crazy when you see a team like that come with that many cars because then you start to think, yeah, where are they getting this sponsorship money from? And then, like, okay, you must be getting enough money where you decide at the last minute to tell a sponsor that you're not going to put their stuff on. That's why I said the check probably didn't clear that's the only right. they came up with a politically correct answer but real talk that check didn't clear that's why they were like <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to pull this i do want to i don't and i do i want to touch on Dell jr because we i didn't want to start the podcast with that because we are all thankful that Dell jr survived the plane crash yeah and we talked a little bit about music. This is kind of close to my heart. I'm just going to say this really quick. And if you listen to this podcast enough, or if you're new to this podcast, you know that any Dale Jr. updates are usually given by Renee. So I'll let Renee take over. But I just want to say this. When I heard about the news, which I think I was like one of the first people to hear about it because Twitter hadn't gotten full speed on what was going on at that moment. I was a little like, wow, because there's a DJ who was one of my favorite DJs in the world. His name is DJ AM. If you guys don't know, you may or may not know, but DJ AM was in a plane with Travis Barker. Travis Barker is from the famed group Blink-182. And my friend, Willie Toledo, who's like a brother to me, he actually is always on the road with them and touring with them. But this happened many, many years ago. But AM, DJ AM, who was a, he had dibbled and dabbled and was a recovering drug addict. I know it sounds crazy. I don't even like to use the word drug addict when I say his name because most people didn't know him from that. We knew DJ AM for being one of the highest paid DJs in the DJ business. And he introduced a whole different type of DJ to the world because he was one of like you would go to a DJ AM party and you got a little bit of everything. You got hip hop, you got EDM. Shoot, he would throw in some country and then hit you with some queen and the whole entire club, three, four thousand people are in there saying we will rock you singing it together (laughs) but and a lot of people may know am and i'm taking it way back but am used to do Lindsay lohan parties back in her heyday and he would do paris hilton parties and samantha ronson and i'm sure some of you people are like who are all these people she's talking about but Lindsay lohan you may not know paris hilton which i don't know how but you all should know Lindsay lohan 
But nonetheless, A.M. and Travis Barker were involved in a plane crash that went down. And although they survived, they had injuries. DJ A.M., something triggered within him and he was not able to deal with the stress, probably the reoccurring nightmares. And he ended up getting back on drugs. And it was fairly like basically one day MTV was like, he died from a drug overdose, but nobody saw it coming. It was just horrific, tragic. To this day, I still have a flyer of DJ AM. I went to see DJ AM. He was doing a four turntable show with Jazzy Jeff. And if you don't know, Jazzy Jeff is from Will Smith, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You should know Jazzy Jeff. I don't know how to explain it, but I was devastated. So when I first heard this Dale Jr. news, my heart stopped. I, I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to take it. I'm, I, I wasn't. You live through tragic events, but I was not prepared. But immediately within the five minutes, I saw that he was okay. And I just thought to myself, NASCAR Nation would never have been able to recover from this. Life goes on, but not, not something like this. That just would have, they would not have been able to race at Bristol. I'm sorry. That's my thought on it. I think it would have shut it down, but I'm so glad that him and his wife and the baby, because looking at the plane, that was like some real, that was crazy. Did you guys see the remains of the plane? Yeah. yeah. That was like, wow, was they walked crazy. away. And the thing is, I thought that the plane caught on fire after they got out. The plane was smoking as they were getting out. I saw some footage today that blew my mind. But nonetheless, I just wanted to say that I'm glad that Dale Jr. is okay. NASCAR Nation loves you. Clearly, the sport is what it is, but it would have been shut down. I don't care what anybody say because I don't think the drivers could have drove. Out of respect for Dale Jr., nobody would have been able to drive. But that's just my thoughts. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. You kind of hit it right on the head, too. If this would have turned out, and thank God it didn't turn out in, in the worst way but if it had i can't even imagine how bad nascar would have just gone right into the dumps it's like we're 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 trying to do our best to uh, get this sport back on track that would have just killed everything that nascar has tried to build already trying to get people to come back into the sport and really be a part of this sport like it used to be back in the heyday like what we've always talked about you guys I did want to point out something which is very interesting and i didn't realize it until i was actually reading up on it for our listeners out there, if you guys want to look at some uh, uh, footage from, from that whole entire incident, there's a great footage on the uh, Charlotte Observer. If you go check out that uh, website, they actually, Tam and, and Kenny, I don't know if you saw this, but there's, I think it's from a patrol car with a dash cam on it. And it's literally showing everybody coming out of the plane. They caught it almost moments after that, that whole plane just stopped. And then you can see everybody coming out. You can see the dog running out. The guys in the car are actually talking while this is all going on. They're like, and one of them is just like so surprised. Like, oh my God, is that a baby? Like there was a baby on there. And everybody thankfully got out okay. And, you know, even the two pilots got out okay. As I was reading going further into the Charlotte Observer, uh, Tam and Kenny, I didn't realize this. And uh, maybe you guys will remember this, but uh, because I had kind of forgotten, but Several other famous drivers, like including Hall of Famers, uh, you know, Alan uh, Kulicki and Davey, Davey Allison perished in aircraft tragedies. And it was also in route to Bristol Motor Speedway, which is very, 
ironic. It's terrible because you always think about when we talk about Dale Jr. and we talk about the things that he goes through, whether it was his concussion leading to his retirement, but you go back and, and you look at the, the tragedies that have happened to him, you know, with his dad and what happened to him on the track. And then this stuff like this, it goes on. It's something that you never wish on anybody. But uh, Tam, I'm, th- I'm sitting here thinking about what you were talking about with DJ AM and stuff like that. And, and you're hoping that something like this, and even though that they survived, doesn't have some kind of long-term tragic effect on them where they, they suffer from other things like that. Because I can't imagine having nightmares on nightmares and trying to, to somehow take take care of it. And the only way to do it is to resort to drugs and, and to, to get that pain away. Even though that they survive, let, let, let's hope that, that they don't have any uh, suffering effects from that either. Well, my question is, how do you ever get back on a private plane after this? Exactly. There are people that there's an R&B group. I won't bother mentioning the name because I know you guys won't know who I'm talking about. But one of the guys in the R&B group, he has this huge phobia and he has not been on a plane and the band, the group was super popular, but they can't fly or they can't make money because he won't get on a flight because he's traumatized. In somebody like Del Jr.'s case, you think like his whole, and they take helicopters to and from their home to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah. Like, how do you recover from this? And poor Isla, the baby, she's young enough where she probably won't remember, but sometimes that stuff is embedded in your subconscious, so it may affect her at some point. Yeah. But I just could not imagine needing to get on a plane next week after my plane went down. And it's not like it went down like, okay, we need to make an emergency landing. They had a crash landing. That's crazy. Like I think about when I fly, but I obviously I don't fly. I don't fly private. I fly commercial, but I only fly Delta when I'm going out the country. I have only certain airlines that I'm flying and they're usually Delta affiliated. But I'll tell this quick story and we'll move on because I know we talked about this a little longer than anticipated. But when I was flying from London Heathrow to Marrakesh in Morocco, my flight is stopped in Casablanca and there were no instructions. I got ready to get off the flight and something, I saw these people sitting there and something told me to ask. And they were like, well, no, if you're going to Marrakesh, you should stay. That's old school. Usually you de- you get off the plane and then you reboard. Now, when I first got on the plane, I was like, oh my God, the plane had an ashtray thing in the armrest. Now, you know, a flight is old. Like you, when is the last time you can smoke on an airplane? Like 40 years ago. So now you can imagine my mind's going because I'm like, wait, this plane has a, I knew the plane looked old, but when I saw the ashtray on the armrest, I was like, wait a minute. This plane has to be old, or maybe they have some different laws in Morocco, because I was on Moroccan air. And quickly, my mind started wondering what that smell was. It was the most heavenly smell I ever smelled. It was some kind of fish. And I was like, who serves fish on the plane? So now my mind's wondering. I'm like, we got the ashtray fish. And then to top it off, you guys hold on to your seats. Listeners, get ready to belt out a chuckle. Or be amazed, whatever you emotion you decide to feel. But as I'm sitting in Casablanca on the plane, the flight attendant comes down the aisle with 
a can and she holds it up and she just politely with a swagger walks down the aisle holding the button and she sprang as she walks down the aisle and I look to the guy sitting two three seats over and I say what why is she spraying aerosol on a closed plane and he says oh they do that because sometimes when people get on, they bring bugs and stuff. What is you talking about, man? I'm on a <laughs> flight that has an ashtray. They serving fish that smells amazing. But who does that? And she's spraying aerosol spray in a closed-in space. And it's bug spray. And I'm not going to say what he told me because I was a little offended why they sprayed it. But I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. Now, I have to fly this airline back. So I have a great time in Morocco. And when I get ready to come back, they don't spray when we're in Morocco or in Marrakesh, only when we are land in Casablanca going back to London. So saying that to say, traveling can be great, but you have little isolated incidents that make you uneasy and you never forget those things. Hopefully Dell Jr., He's never going to forget it, but hopefully he won't develop any type of phobia, which stops him or impairs him. Again, not to make it about me, but like I can't ride roller coasters. I'm I'm frozen in time. I can stand in the line at Six Flags Great Adventures, but you won't catch me getting actually on it. And that's a whole nother story, but I, I can't get in the MRI. I can't get in the MRI machine either. I have to do what's called an open MRI because I have panic attack. Yeah. I don't want to go on, just want to drop that little tidbit off. Okay, we talked about everything from Bristol. We talked about driver's intros. We talked about Matt DiBenedetto, the playoff pitchers, all that good stuff. I want to remind you guys, if you have not already, check us out on the Twitter at Turns No Breaks and follow us on Instagram at Turns No Breaks. And make sure to subscribe. Yeah, Renee tells you guys every week, but I'm going to tell you right now, make sure to subscribe if you are listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to leave us a comment. And the podcast can be found any place that you download your podcast. I just found an interesting thing. There's a thing called Listen Notes. So if you actually want to transcribe the podcast into written words, you can check that out over there as well. Let's jump into our fan comment of the week and then we will, well, should we get predictions? Because this is a buy this week, right? Right. That's correct. Yeah. Cup is off this weekend. Maybe we'll take a buy so we won't talk NASCAR next week. We will drop you with a few fan comments of the week and then that'll be that. And we were going to do our NASCAR Twitter chat, but I feel like some of the questions we posted on the Twitter have taken a life of its own, so we'll leave it at that. But we had a rather interesting comment from Joyce Billow. Her user is jbillow57, and she chimes in and says to us, let's see what she says. Joyce, we have posted an article. We posted an article from USA Today that said Denny Hamlin chases down Matt Benedetto at Bristol apologizes to soon to be rightless driver and Joyce chimed in and said I love Denny Hamlin don't get me wrong but if I had been in the 11 car I would have blocked for Maddie D as I knew that I was already in the chase and Maddie D needed to get in if Denny was truly a teammate 
That's what he should have done for Matt and Coach Gibbs. Just saying. Boy, that comment set off a SHIT storm because people weren't. <laughs> I bet it did. Yes, I'm just going to pick a few because I want to encourage you guys to join the conversation and head over to Twitter and check it out. But longtime friend to the show, Bill Stein, he chimed in and said, they're not teammates. That was number one. Number two, it's a race. Number three, fans don't pay to watch someone give up. Number four, the satellite team thing. I mean, Gibbs made a move to force Matt out of the car. So why would they help him now? Number five, why even be out there if you're going to let someone win? So he gave all his points and bullet points with numbers. Let's see. And again, I'm just going to pick a few at random. Longtime friend to the show, Sandra J. Barnes, she chimed in and said, Danny is racing for a championship. He's on a team where Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. are the golden boys. If he wants to win the championship for himself, he has to win and get points. Not, no true competitor gives up a win. Okay, this was a pretty popular comment. Mary Lou Briggs, whose username is Total Silliness, she chimed in and said, purposely not trying to win is called cheating. I think too many commenters are from the group that gets a trophy for showing up. It's a sport. It's a competition. You never give up a chance to win. Okay, let's see. I'll agree with that. Pick one more. Gina, her user is Gina Loves, L-U-V-S-J-J-48. So she clearly is a Jimmy Johnson fan. She says, no respectful racer would do this. A racer races to win his race. The end. She put the end like no conversation needed. And one last comment. This comes from the Stock Car Standard. His user is NASCAR VL. He chimed in and said, you never, ever, ever give a win away. You never know when or if you'll have a chance to win again. No decision to be made there. You always get the win. People who say otherwise are the ones who want a win gifted to them. Okay, I mean, I can go on and on, but most of the comments were pretty strong. I'll just say this last one, Race Archer. His user is Race Spy. He said Matt just should wrecked him. So I guess he was saying Matt should have wrecked him. And we'd be having a whole different conversation. And that race would have been number one all time in Jeff Gluck's poll. Of course it would have been. Boy, if Matt DiBenedetto would have wrecked Denny. Well, we all can acknowledge that Denny is not the old Denny. He's changed his ways. But the old Denny would have came back out if he would have wrecked him. Oh, yeah. Even though he had all those nice things to say to him. About him after the race, the old Denny would have came out. Anybody want to yeah. dispute that? No, I no, I don't. I don't disagree with. Yeah, you, me neither. I, was, I just yep. think it's, I just think it's interesting though with the comments that some people made, especially the one about letting him win. I think that's a bit extreme. Ain't no way in the hell that's happened. I don't know why anybody would want that to happen in the first place, just because he's in the playoffs. It don't work that way. It's a competition every single race. Don't yeah, exactly. Would we be having this conversation if Kyle Busch was in that position? Hell no. You think Kyle Busch is going to let anybody exactly. win? Exactly. Yeah, Kevin Harvick? No. Ain't a, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree, man. There's sometimes I think like these commenters, just, they just tweet and, and, and say things before they actually think about it. I mean, you never let anybody just win, you know. I'm in agreement with that other uh, uh, person that chimed in and said that uh, 
for people who are are fans of a specific driver, for them to give up a win, I'd be pissed off. You know, if I was a Denny Hamlin fan and I knew he gave up just to let Matt win, I'd be pissed off. I'm like, hey, yo, yo, dude, I spent money to see you win. And then you're going to give it to Matt but didn't better? Well, you know, I, I, I know I'd be pissed. <laughs> I got what Joyce was saying with her comment. It's just, unfortunately, this is a sport and you can't just give somebody a win. You can't gift anybody anything. Right. I get it. Yeah, he's already in the playoffs. He doesn't have anything to worry about. But on the flip side, this is just not the way it works. I do want to go back to user total silliness. I was intrigued with our comment. So I took a portion of it and reposted it on Twitter. And I simply ran a poll. Part of her quote or part of her comment I took and used as a quote. So quote, she writes, purposely not trying to win is called cheating, unquote. I felt that was intriguing. So intriguing that I wanted to ask people if they thought that if you purposely do not win, is that cheating? And I'll ask you guys, but before I ask you guys, I'll tell you the poll result. 59% of the people said true. 14% said that they disagree. And 27% said, hmm, not really. Kenny, do you think if you purposely not try to win, is that actually cheating? Yeah, I would think people would want to go back to 2013 when that was involved with um with Boyer, who intentionally spun himself. And that thing happened at the end of the playoffs. And that put, I think that put Martin Truex in the playoffs that year or the chase. Oh, yeah, that was when, yeah, um, got, not to cut you that. off, but no, that was when um Jeff Gordon was retiring, right? Yeah. Yes, in that same time. Oh, that's right. That was huge. That, yeah, that was pretty huge. And people were, people were pretty... Pretty pissed about that, aka what people like to call spin gate. So yeah, you don't get out the way on purpose. That's painting what's out there. You don't never do that. Hell no. Renee, <laughs> you think it's what do you think? Is it cheating or is it what? Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, necessarily cheating, but it kind of is. And and after Kenny uh, explaining the the the, the spin gate thing, it kind of is because at first when I was. When I was thinking about it, I was like, well, I can't really see that it's cheating. But when you put it in a in a way like Kenny did, yeah, I get, it kind of is because it's like all these other drivers are trying to, that need a win, that are trying to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they're trying. And, and then here's somebody like Denny Hamlin. What what if he let up and then actually let Matt win? Well, you know, that's not cool. You want to give everybody a, a fair shot. And I know it's kind of like on the cusp of, well, is it? Is it not? I, I, I don't know. Yes, it is. Kenny, you, the way you broke it down with that spin gate, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to jump on the fence and go, yeah, 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 that, that's cheating. That was huge. And you know what? Matter of fact, just to note how huge that was, if people don't remember, that is the reason why Napa is where it's at now. So Napa pulled a sponsorship away from Michael Walter Racing that year when that happened. That was huge. They moved all their stuff to Junior Motorsports at that time, eventually now where it's at Hendrick. So that was huge. That was Big time. And that also caused Martin Truex Jr. pretty much a ride at that point. Then he moved to Furniture Row Racing. So it it was huge. And I hope people remember how big that was. So you don't go out your way to move out the way because it's just the damn feel-good story. Because I feel like if that was Kyle Busch in second place last night, nobody's making a peep about it. Because it is Matt Benedetto, a.k.a. Reddit Savior, <laughs> NASCAR Reddit Savior. <laughs> People, people were really gunning for that to happen. I know it would have been a cool story. Don't get me wrong. It would have been so cool. He had a great intro at Bristol, all of that. But guess what? If he didn't win, he didn't win. I'm sorry, Matt DiBenedetto fan. It, it happened. 
I want to add one thing. Let's not forget what it did to Clint Boyer's career because he was on the outs with everybody. NASCAR yes. was not messing with him. The powers to be, if he would have quietly went away, NASCAR would have been happy. He just started to get some shine and NASCAR starting to use him for more promo stuff because he was on the outs for a long time. Yeah, that did yeah. hurt him bad. For a little and while. I think, to see, to me bad. personally, I thought it had more to do with Jeff Gordon retiring than anything. But those were just my thoughts because what he did prevented Jeff from being in the playoffs. So then, it, you know, NASCAR had to drop the hammer and was like, no, the golden child is going to be in the playoffs. That's just that. And I have mixed feelings about how it was handled. I'm not necessarily saying I have mixed feelings about what he did because he was just helping out his teammate. I don't know. I feel like I want to end the podcast on a positive note and I want to read a quote from Matt DiBetadetto. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to pick a portion of what he had to say. He said, quote, congrats to Denny Hamlin. He raced hard. I've been a fan of his since I was a kid. To be racing door-to-door with him at Bristol in front of a great group of fans, I'll try not to get emotional, but it's been a tough week. I just want to stick around and keep doing this for a long time to come. I love it. I love the opportunity. I'm not done yet. Something will come open. It's going to happen. I'm here to win. That's it. That's all I'm going to read. Yeah. I personally like that and I personally agree with that because it shows his professionalism and the respect that he has not only for the sport itself, but for Denny Hamlin because he really could have went in a different direction than that, but he kept it professional and I like that. It's always a pleasure here each and every week doing this podcast, Kenny with you, Tam with you as well. We don't have any predictions this week, as Tam uh, said earlier. Uh, We do have a bye week, so we will take a bye week for Kenny, myself, and Tam. Always a pleasure, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks on another episode of All Turns No Breaks. See y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 